Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast, where you will learn how to start living more by doing less. Let me help you optimize, automate, and outsource your entire life so you can focus on doing the things you love. Now here's your host, Ari Mizell. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Mizell, and my guest today is Taki Moore, who is a coach of coaches. He runs the Million Dollar Coach Business, the Black Belt Intensive, and uh, somebody who I have learned more from since I've known him than I think I have in years and years and years of uh, learning business. So, uh, Taki, it's a huge honor to have you on the show. So, thank you. Hey, what a yeah, man! It's, we're gonna have a good time. I can feel it already. I'm grateful for your help and for your uh, friendship. I've learned a ton from you, and it's really nice to be able to uh, repay the favor, you know, to you and to to the listeners today. Well, oh, thank you. That that means a lot. Um, but I do have to just point out to people. So I I am not a as much as I talk about like idea capture with people and all sorts of things, and I am very big on that. But I'm a really bad note taker. And I'm always trying to 80, 20 things, just get to the sort of the nuggets. And typically when I go to an event, I will take a couple scraps of paper or whatever, and I'll write three or four things down and it'll be worth it. And they'll be big and that'll be great. Uh, Taki's event, which I attended, I've known Taki now for, I guess, almost two years, but the first event I went to was this, this, uh, two months ago in, uh, California, right? In LA, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was the Black Belt Intensive. And it's the first event I have ever been to where I could not keep up with my notes. And it was just incredible. And the, and the cool thing is that I, and I know there's like no context for anybody listening to this right now, what I'm talking about, but there will be in a second. Um, the cool thing is that it's so implementable and I'm such a good implementer, which I can say with really good confidence. So like, 30 of the things that I learned from talking in that two days, I think we had implemented about three days later. So it's pretty awesome. Um, and so I, when I say that I've learned more from you than I have in many years, I really mean that. So first of all, thank you for that. But let's talk about sort of the magic of what you do, which is you coach coaches to grow their coaching businesses. Yeah, sounds a little bit meta and a little bit strange, but that's that's totally what we do. Uh, we typically work with uh, smart generous, you know, business focused coaches, people who are, uh, know they make a big difference in the world and are, are, you know, frankly, really happy to be rewarded financially for it. And we help them to market so they get more leads. We help them to sell so they get more clients without having to be kind of douchey about it. And we help them to take their one-on-one coaching work to groups. So instead of, you know, being able to make a big difference to, you know, 10 or 15 or maybe 20 people max, these guys can now help hundreds or thousands of people. Uh, just because we've you know packaged their IP in a certain way and are able to deliver it in a way that can scale. Yeah, and and b- before we get into more of the specifics on that, one of the things that is so interesting to me about your business is something that I talk about a lot uh, with 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 clients in general. Is part of the problem that people have when it comes to productivity is that they tend to switch around a lot between different tasks, and it's what people normally call multitasking, but it's not really a thing. It's more just like rapidly switching back and forth between tasks and making themselves exhausted. And one of the things I help people with that, but I try to explain that if you pull back focus on certain things, you can sort of bucket things together and 
see that you're not actually switching activity so much if you're focused on this one sort of bigger activity. So mm-hmm. what's so interesting to me about what you do is that, you, I mean, from the several dozen people that I met at the event, you are not, you're working with people who coach and they could be coaching plumbers. They could be coaching Facebook marketers. They could be coaching business leaders, but you right. are working on coaching. Yeah, correct. Uh, I think uh, I think of our work a little bit like I'm the the creator of the jelly. I would say jelly. You'd probably say Jello molds. You know, I create these <laughs> these frameworks, these kind of containers for stuff, and then they're able to put in their own, uh, you know, their own content with their own style. And because their stuff and their personality goes into it, into my framework, the framework makes sure that it comes out and works really successfully. But the fact that they put in their ingredients and their personality means it comes out completely uniquely theirs. And so I'm able to work with hundreds of people from around the world in all sorts of different spaces. But because my my stuff is a little bit content agnostic, it doesn't really matter if they're a, you know, if they're a business coach to accountants or they're an agency that does Facebook ads for people or they help people with their ketogenic diet or whatever. Uh, my framework does the heavy lifting and they just put their, their special sauce into it. It comes out great. Okay, but see now, as usual, you just put it into a much better frame than I could have. And the fact that you said that you're content agnostic, and that's not an easy thing. That's what my point is. What's so impressive to me about it is like to be able to come up with a framework that is content agnostic in itself is sort of mastery, in my opinion. So what? what yeah. So, what so do your, you know where it comes from? Yeah, that's it what I want. <laughs> yeah. So where it came from for me was I. Uh, I'd been coaching for a while, but I hadn't run a workshop before. And, and so I decided I'd, I'd get some clients to get and run a workshop. And I figured if I need to, if I'm going to run a workshop, then I need workbooks. And if I'm going to run workbooks, they need worksheets. And if I'm going to do worksheets, I know this kind of sounds silly and obvious, but if you're going to do worksheets, then you need little boxes. And little boxes you know, to fill in uh, forced me to turn all of my ideas into structure and process and steps. And uh, so if I hadn't have ever run a live workshop, I never would have trained like I don't naturally think like this I'm very free-spirited and uh, probably the most disorganized person you've ever met um but uh designing worksheets has forced my brain to think now in frameworks and I've got this kind of this uh you know belief mantra whatever you want to call it that um you know framework before work if we're going to do something more than once instead of like sitting there scratching our head looking at a blank sheet of paper going what am I do here we're going to figure out a framework first and then we can follow it a million times and so Everything starts with what are all the raw ingredients? Let's turn it into a framework, test it a few times on myself. If it works, great. If it doesn't, we'll tweak it. And then once I've got something that's, you know, successfully worked for me multiple times, then we can test it out with other clients and then roll it out to everybody. So framework first, then, you know, framework before hard work. Yeah. And, and it's, it, again, it's just fascinating because one of the, the most impactful exercises of the, the black belt workshop, which I've, I've done with a couple other people now, sure showed them at least what we've done is this yeah. is your framework for planning your entire year of content in about a half an hour. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I mean, that was totally. so powerful. And I mean, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I did it. And then I turned it into sort of a digital automated version that we can sort of trigger things off of, which I'm very proud of, but uh, yeah, I'd see- love to see it. That sounds amazing. Well, and I have this whole, I, I printed it out as a poster that's above my desk now. And anytime somebody has a question, it's just look up and I can answer the question because we have a whole yeah. year figured out. But I, I, I mean, I, I can't, I, I can't give you enough credit for this because people really have to understand how 
amazing it is to be able to have a framework that general that works for all these different businesses. I mean, it's from a business standpoint, it's incredible for you, but I just, your, your eye on these things to me is just fascinating. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, dude. I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on it. And, uh, that particular framework, uh, you know, we call it the preloaded year. It's about how to kind of design out a year in you know, probably half an hour to learn it and then maybe another hour to kind of get the year completely locked in. Um, it's something that uh, doesn't, doesn't come naturally to me at all. I've got an incredibly organized friend called Dale. And uh, I, uh, you know, about five years ago, uh, we were having a conversation at the end of the year about next year and how we wanted to be different. And uh, he mentioned that he plans this year a year in advance. And I'm like, I'm normally like, what am I going to do on Thursday? I've got no idea. I should probably think about that. And he's like a year or two in advance. And so I just kind of, uh, you know, interrogated him and forced him to show me how to do it. And then after, you know, doing it a couple of times now, I've, you know, I've, I've tuckified it and made it a system that I really, really love. And uh, it can be agnostic. It's good. And, and then one more thing on this before I, people say I'm beating a dead horse, but even your, sure. your, your, uh, your matrix, I guess, matrix for doing social media posting where you have the, the 12 posts for the, yeah. actually, well, yeah, the 16 posts, right? The 16 posts for the month to even come up with a version of that that could pretty much fit anybody in any business is, it's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Uh, like what they all are, these are like micro examples of a, of a really simple big picture, you know, uh, you know, place to come from, which is we're going to framework before we work. If, you know, you've got social media stuff to do. I've got social media stuff to do. Everybody's got social media stuff to do. If, if we're going to do it, we should figure out an efficient way of doing it in a way that gives us both kind of uh, high results and low friction. And so the, the stuff that I, I always really jived with your work is that you're all about how do we get maximum possible outcome with minimum input? And uh, you've done that incredibly well with, you know, with automation, you know, like optimizing it and then, and then automating it and then outsourcing it if you have to. And what you've done for that kind of uh, workflow automation piece. I've sort of done with how to think about it in the, you know, at least for a lot of our, a lot of our hacks are around content because you know, if we think about, you know, we want to market, we want to sell, we want to coach to groups and do that in a kind of a more scalable way. The one thing that uh, marketing and selling and coaching all have in common, if you do it in a, in a scalable leverage way is they all need content and they all need systems. And so I've just got, you know, pretty well built content and systems muscles around that sort of, that side of things. You with me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, I what one of the things that I I also think is so important about that is that uh, it's not that you're saying that, that it's easy, but at the same time, it's not necessarily hard then to be successful. No, I actually think it is easy. Uh, I, yeah, I really do. Um, yeah, maybe maybe simple is better is a better word than easy. But like none of the individual pieces are, are hard at all. They're just little boxes. And the reason we make the little boxes on the worksheet so small is so you don't have to like think about them too much or, or work too hard. You know, if it says, what's your name? Any one of us could answer that. You know, it's just, we want all of the pieces to be as easy as answering your name in a little square. Now, another thing is, so how did you get started in this particular sort of phase of your life in this business? What were you doing before you started teaching people how to grow their businesses? Yeah, great. So I was hired by a... Uh, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I'll go to the thing immediately before. And if we need, you know, if we want to do the the history lesson, we could. I'm sure there's other stuff we could talk about. But uh, immediately before this, I was working in a coach's office. He was a business coach here in Sydney. 
Uh, he worked for the um, you know for a business coaching franchise. He was fairly new in it. I think he had one or maybe two clients. I think he had a client at the time, and I was hired as marketing guy. So I worked for uh, yeah I worked for this guy for uh, a couple of years, and it was just extraordinary. I think I had like maybe three or four years in that network of coaches. You're him and a couple of others, and uh, every day was like going to a seminar. The, they held a set of company values so tightly that it was like being in the most incredible personal development seminar you've been in your life every single day. You just get called on your stuff and stretch to grow. It was amazing. And I uh, I was there for uh, three or four years, as I said, and I, I learned lots and I gave as much as I could. I got really frustrated because the stuff that, that the franchise gave the franchisees for their marketing just frankly didn't didn't work. Um, I, like, case in point, I, when I started, um, you know, I got given a business card and it said, you know, Taki Moore, and I was part of the world's number one business coaching team. <laughs> that sounds exciting. So, so I, I get to get to work my first day and it's this dude's house and there's nothing wrong with this dude's house, but it certainly wasn't like the Sydney Harbour, you know, view corner office that I was imagining. And he goes, oh, well, welcome aboard. Let me show you your office. And the office is his dining table and there's a computer and a phone and a, and a yellow pages on disc, you know, uh, phone directory. And my first job, mate, was to to promote a seminar, his first ever seminar. He wanted like 16 businesses in a room uh, on a Tuesday night at the local, I don't know what you call it in America, like the the veterans club, you know, where returned veterans can go. You know, it's like not a particularly luxurious location. And so he goes, well, here's how we do it. You, you, you look at this list, you call the people on it with this phone, and you use this script. And he dropped on the table a a, a three ring binder with a set with the script for the call, and it was seventy four pages of scripts for one phone call. And uh, I was like, dude, this is that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> and it was, was color coded, like there was uh, blue, red, and some of the text was blue, some was black, some was red. And uh, I don't remember exactly what colors were what, but I think blue was what I would say. Red was if they say this, go here. If they say that, go there. And then black was their lines. And uh, I got really frustrated because the prospects never knew their lines. And so they were supposed to say, Taki, that sounds great. Book me in. And they never said that ever. Anyway, so long story, super short. Uh, you know, I, I rang people for like two weeks to get the people booked in. And, uh, you know, he was freaked out that they wouldn't show. And so was I. So I, com- I confirmation called them twice. And then sure enough, on the Tuesday night of the seminar, uh, almost nobody showed up. Two people came. One of them was my best mate who came for moral support and one was an actual real prospect. And I just got like completely frustrated with like, what is it about what we've done? Like I took response. I, obviously it was something that we'd done, but was it that, that what was it about people that, uh, yeah, they say yes to coming and then they just don't show. Like it was easier for them to say, yes, I'm coming just to get me off the phone than to actually just say no. And I was like, there's got to be a better way than calling people. There's got to be a way to have them call us. And so I just got obsessed about this. How do I get dudes to to want it to call us instead of having to be chased? You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, I just got just got super frustrated and then went, just became obsessed with figuring out what do I need to do marketing wise. I was terrified of selling, so it was like if I could uh, if I could get the marketing to do all of the heavy lifting, so I don't have to really sell ever again, I'd be thrilled. And that was kind of the job. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean. That's great. I mean, it's always interesting to me to hear stories of necessity. <laughs> yeah, um, it's exactly. I, right. I think it's just like frustrating. Well, I, I I truly believe that you can't hustle and innovate at the same time, right? You can, and they, mm. they both other places. You can do one or the other, but uh, you can't do both. And so, huh? You choosing to innovate here is just really. I mean, obviously, we've been the benefactor of it, but. 
Well, here's the, I mean, here's the other thing. The, the thing that really made us build our business the way we do. And so like uh, the sweet spot for me, I want to be the best living example if, you know, that I can be of three things, of, of money and meaning and freedom. I want to have do meaningful work that helps lots of people. I want to make incredible money and I want to be free. So we've got six kids, uh, two of whom have special needs, you know, cerebral palsy and autism and a bunch of stuff. And we take, uh, like in March, it was like, what, I don't know, nine months ago or something, we pulled the kids out of school and we, we hired a teacher and we've been traveling the world for nine months. We're going to do it again next year. We're home for a few weeks right now because it's Christmas and the kids want to hang out with their friends. Um, but freedom, right? And so the only way to build a business like that, you said necessity, right? Ethan's sick in hospital. Uh, he's nearly died and we're there for 10 weeks. And I've got to figure out how do I run this business from the side of a hospital bed? Uh, obviously, it's got to, it can't rely on one-on-one individual sessions. We've got to do something a bit more scalable, a bit more flexible. And that's kind of how this whole thing started. Yeah, and and it's really that's another thing that's so uh, inspiring. It's seeing at the events, and seeing your whole family there, and Kimberly yeah. is is uh, quite incredible. And yes, um, and I mean your family. It's just wonderful to see that, and the fact that you're able to not only uh, do this meta work of coaching coaches, but being able to do it in the sort of remote, more free lifestyle. And the, the other thing about that too is something I teach with my clients is the liberty paradox, which is that there's negative and positive freedoms. So some people are seeking freedom from something, which would be the negative freedom. And others are seeking freedom to do something. And you are clearly in the freedom to do something wrong. Well, we are now. Yeah. Originally it was like freedom, uh, freedom because we had to, which I guess is a from, you know, like freedom. I don't want to be in an office so that I can be next to Ethan. I guess that was, or maybe it's, maybe it's to, you know, freedom to be with Ethan, but certainly very freedom to right now. Like it's, uh, every year we pick a, a theme for the year, a word for the year. I haven't got my one for next year yet, but this is uh, two years ago. We had a really good business year, but frankly, it was like a, a little bit boring, a little bit beige, a bit you know vanilla. And uh, so last year's word was adventure, and so we went on some incredible trips. You know, I, I'm a big traveler, and so we rode camels in Morocco, and we did all sorts of amazing stuff. And I was sitting at my local taco shop. You know, tacos and and no shoes are a big recurring theme with me. So I'm at my <laughs> local taco shop around the corner, and I uh, think, what an incredible year! It's like, I don't know how I could possibly top this year. Like, it's been amazing. And my brain just went, well, easy. What if you never came back? I was like, oh. So this year's word was nomad. And we've just been nomading around the world. And I have no idea what next year. Like, this has been the best year of my life so far. And we've had some pretty pretty damn good years. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's so, it's so wonderful, honestly. Um, and so when you, in terms of your business now, yeah. in this some people, people who listen to this podcast love to hear specifics on logistics a lot of times. So yeah. your team is completely distributed. You're based in Australia right now, but yeah. what's, what's your team look like? Yeah. So I think I could be off, but I think there's 15. Uh, frankly, uh, I learned from a mutual friend of ours, Dan Sullivan. I was actually, I was talking to his wife, Babs once. And I said, uh, you know, cause she and Dan, husband and wife partnership, they run a, a great business at strategic coach. And, uh, I said, so Babs, how do you work out who does who does what? And she said, oh, we've got this metaphor that really helps. Uh, we think of our business like a theater and Dan runs the stage and I run the the whole theater. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. So in our org chart, like there's definitely, you know, um, Kiri Marie is like CEO and, and, and I'm on the org chart, but I'm sort of off to the side and there's sort of dotted lines. I don't really connect to anyone. Uh, like nobody kind of directly reports to me. I do my own thing, which is just better for everybody's sanity. And I think there's 15, but pretty much they just wheel me out once a month on team meetings, a little bit like weekend at Bernie's, you know, they kind of pretend <laughs> that I'm still there and, <laughs> and all of that. So what that's meant is 
because we are all distributed, you know, uh, lots in the Philippines, uh, several in the US, I think uh, four in the States and, and uh, two, one, two, three, two or three here in Australia. Um, you know, three, if you count me, uh, it's meant we've got pretty good at, uh, you know, working remote and technology and hacks and a bunch of stuff. And I've got a bunch of, you know, lots of stuff to share. If, you, if you'd like to dig into some specifics, I'm happy to, happy to share all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Well, so one of the, I would actually, and one of the things too, that really stood out to me was that you were showing us all this automation. Well, you weren't showing, sorry, no correction. You were showing us all these different touch points that yeah. uh, you should do with clients, such as Facebook messages, text, uh, text messages, postcards, things like that. And the minute I, I was reading this, my mind is, of course, thinking about, oh, well, so he's probably using Entreport for this, or he's using this for this, and blah, blah, blah. And then I asked you how you automate all this, and you responded, oh, we just have a VA do it. And it was like a smack in the face in a really amazing way to me, because I was like, oh, yeah, that certain, like, certain levels, you can just have a person do this stuff. And that's yeah, fine. And so, yeah, well, I think automated just means you don't have to do it. And if you just come from that place, it doesn't really matter how. Um, and so the, the easiest hack for productivity I learned from a great mate of mine, Dean Jackson, was think who, not how. So, you know, what we usually do is we come up with this idea and we get really excited. Like, well, we hear something and we go, wow, that's what I want. And that's why I want it. And then what most of us do is we start going, okay, well, how do I do that? Okay, well, I've, now, I've got, now you end up learning automation and you learn your CRM and you learn to build your own websites. And like, we've all done this, right? But learning how is always the slowest way to do anything. And frankly, learning who is a, is a real key. And so for years, I've been a bit of a lazy bugger. And so my, my default position is what do I want? And then who can help me with that? And then as quick as I can, I want to get it out of my head and into their hands. And they just kind of come back and tell me when it's done or, or they ask me questions and I can be a resource to them, but I'm not responsible anymore. And like, I'm a huge bottleneck in my business if I'm not careful. And so just going, Okay, what do I want? And getting that really clear on a specific sheet of paper that we use to be able to hand it off to a team member, have a conversation with them, so then they've got it and it's not in my head anymore. Um, there's lots of stuff that is automated, and there's lots that's done by a VA. But the the core thing for me is my job is to is to create stuff and then communicate it and then get out of the way. Yeah, and that's something that I always teach as well with people is something about creating the external brain and also having yeah. NPA capture. And on that note, that's another thing which I wanted to mention to you. Um, so mm-hmm. I had a for people listening, I had a call with Taki uh, I think two weeks ago, which was to sort of go over some of my coaching programs and things. Yeah. And you did something that I've never had somebody do on a Zoom call before because I, I do Zoom all the time, and it's to right. me it's, it's like the same as sitting at the table somebody now. You had the screen share connected to your iPad. And you were yeah. writing up notes and drawing things out as we were talking. And it made for such an effective meeting. And then you were able to share those with me afterwards. I've never seen anybody else do that. Um, and so you're, you're the, the, maybe it's just me because I am a visual learner, but you are such a visual teacher. Yeah, I totally am. Well, I can't think without a pen. And so like right now we're having this conversation. I don't have anything for my hands to do. And it's like, it's all in my head. And I'm like, this is, this is the hardest conversation I've had in like, I don't know, a month. It's not even that hard. I just like, I've only got a little bit of brain space and, I, and I'm not writing. And uh, cause I'm trying to do, trying to be a good podcast host. Cause I'm new at this podcasty thing and uh, trying not to have like scratchy noises in the microphone. Um, but for me, uh, I'm on, I, every time I'm thinking with somebody or talking with somebody, I've always got a pen and paper. And so figuring out how to do that for zoom is good. I do it on all my webinars, whether I'm teaching or I'm selling certainly on every meeting. And it just means we can both be you know, literally on the same page. And here's what's mm-hmm. cool about it. 
at the end of the meeting, so we're on the same page, at the end of the meeting, I can press, you know, I can touch my iPad and click export and I can send you the PDF so you've got clarity. But I can also drop the PDF into Slack, you know, where our team is in the, you know, uh, client support channel and say, uh, this is Ari's game plan. And the team just knows that anything that's on the right-hand side of the last page, you know, we've got projects, actions, tools, anything that's in the tools or resources column, they're just going to go find the direct link for and send it to you. And uh, in two clicks, I'm hands-free. And I think like I'm, I'm really phobic to uh, inboxes and to-dos. Like I really don't like, I don't like two things. Mostly I don't like other people nagging me for stuff and I don't like promising you things and then not delivering it. And so it's just got to be, I've got to be as close to no homework as I possibly can. And so like we've got a, a no homework rule. If we finish a meeting, I want to, I want to be done the moment I hang up and I never ever want to like have to think about, did I do that or that, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, and, and so, I mean, that was, that in itself was, it was huge for me. Um, because again, like I said, I'm a very visual learner. So for that, it was like, I, I and I had to do that meeting with you while I was in a car on the way to the airport and it just, yeah, it right. stuck. It stuck. And then I was able to give them the plans for a work on it, which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, another thing, which, and I, I'm, I'm sure you don't mind me sharing this, but you have the three quicks. Yeah. Part of your community, which I also resonate with me so much. And that is that you ask people to be quick to share, quick to implement and quick to ask for help when yes. they join the community. Yeah. And I, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. And it's something that's so important that most people don't do when they join a big program. Yeah, totally. I think like quick to implement is, it sounds obvious, but it's, it's not, uh, you know, if you're not quick to implement, then you're quick to learn and absorb stuff and get overwhelmed and do nothing and not win. And that's like, we're in the business of helping people succeed. And so we make a commitment up front to each other that, you know, if we agree to a strategy, you don't have to well, do anything, but if, go ahead, sorry. yeah, that if we agree to do something, you're going to be quick to implement it. Therefore you'll get great results. Uh, number two, that if you get stuck, uh, that you'll be quick to ask for help. And, uh, you know, we talk about traffic lights, you know, you're either green, which means you're really clear about what you're doing and you're moving or you're yellow, you know, you're maybe a little bit less sure of yourself and slowed down or you're red, which is like stuck and stopped. And we make a rule that we're never going to get to red. The moment you feel a little bit yellow, you reach out and here's how you do that. Uh, and so that way there's like a, you know, there's like a bat phone. You can call to get some help when you need to. And then thirdly, like you said, you get quick to share uh, what's working and what's not, um, which is how you know, we've got you know, 300 clients around the world doing amazing work. And if everyone tests out something new every, every week or two, now we've got 300 tests and we share them. Now everyone gets smarter. Yeah, I think that's kind of, they're definitely secrets to making this work. And we just, it came out of you know, what makes a client struggle. Well, they don't do the stuff. And then when they get stuck, we don't know about it. And, you know, what makes the community not, not, you know, what would make a community not work? Well, it's if people aren't generous and don't share. So now we just kind of made it part of the agreement that we, you know, verbally agree on and then, you know, digitally sign on the contract on the way in. Well, and the other thing that I think is important about that, you know, from a marketing standpoint, when people are doing uh, newsletters or articles or things like that, we always want to have a call to action of some sort, right? Where we tell somebody like, when you're done, you know, if you want more of this, do this. If you want to, if you have a question about this, do this. But you sort of, in, in my opinion, you kind of have a call to action in every single thing you do. And the reason that that's important is that a lot of people won't do the thing that's obvious to you unless you tell them to. Yes. Yeah, correct. Uh, 
So, you know, you see like it, it, obvious to us and not to anyone else. Well, you know, if you send an, if, like if we send an email, for example, we were actually just working on this with the team the other day because we have our events coming up this year and we're sending out an email and a lot, I think the old me would have sent an email about the event. And to right. me, it's like, well, okay, if they want to find out more. They're going to click a link or they're going to respond and ask questions. But, you know, it doesn't work that way. You have to tell somebody, yeah. if you want in, respond with this, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, it looks like it's going to fill up soon. Just hit reply and say, I'm in and we'll get you registered. Well, you need to tell people. Um, Alison Wonderland, you know, she goes down the rabbit hole and I think there was an apple or a Dude, it's been a long time since I read Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> An apple or a muffin. It could have been a Twinkie. Nobody really knows. And uh, there was a sticker on it which said, eat me. Like, you've just got to be super clear. Do this. Yeah. Yeah. No, which, and, but that's, I think that's important, you know, for, for marketing, but also for working with their clients. And in uh, a lot of relationships, you don't even see that. So that's, I, that was a big lesson for me as well. So, Hey, I uh, um, got something I'd like to share. Uh, I'm home right now and I haven't been home for like five months or something like that, a long, long time. And because I'm home, I'm at my my desk in my office and there's some stuff that's here that I don't have when I'm on the road that I'm just loving having again. And so I want to share that like the two things which I find uh, help me do my best work. And uh, uh, one is a stand-up desk. I'm a I'm quite kinesthetic. And so the ability to kind of move when, when I move, I, I can think. And when I don't move, I don't. So I, I do all my best work standing up. And I'm sure everyone here has heard of stand-up desks before, and that's not anything new. But the thing that I think is pretty cool about this office is, uh, imagine right now you're standing at a stand-up desk, and off the left-hand edge of the desk, down at, on the ground, there is a a roller, and on it there's a roll of brown paper, like a, like a long scroll. And so this scroll comes up, you know, from the from the floor to my desk, scrolls right across the the desk from left to right. And my tool of choice is a black Sharpie marker. And so I draw and then I, you know, just like tear, uh, not tear the sheep, like just drag it off to the right. Uh, and then I draw some more. So I've got like, this never ending page in front of me. That is just the most fun thing I've ever worked on in my life. And uh, when I get about sort of butt deep in brown paper, I just kind of tear it off and throw it out. But uh, there's like, if you're kinesthetic, there's nothing like being able to like, draw and drag and it's just it's it's the best thing i've ever done work-wise yeah and i saw that actually you just posted a video i think last week where you were drawing on that and sort of moving it over and it's it's funny to me that it, it was like it looks like butcher paper and there's something very like satisfying about hearing the sound of it sort of like pulling yeah. across the desk <laughs> yeah it totally is yeah it's got this really nice it's good well, it just it just reminded me, i don't know if you're a family guy fan but there was some there was one episode where where Stewie was talking about something that was like a really great experience. And he was like, it's, it's like the first cut into a fresh piece of construction paper. <laughs> that's what that makes me think of. Yeah. That's funny. It's totally that. Um, and so what is, so that's obviously one very important tool for you, but yeah. when you're, uh, when, since you are in Australia right now and, you know, primarily there, but you also, you have clients all over the world in the U S there, like what is a typical kind of day sort of breakdown for you? Like, yeah, cool. So I, um, I'm really good at productivity, but not in the traditional sense. I guess a lot, you know, like you are. Um, you know, I'm not efficient by any stretch of the imagination. Like I don't have a a day planner with my to dos on it. I don't tick them off. I'm really good at managing uh, weeks, and I'm really good at managing years, and I'm really good at managing days. But I sort of suck at minutes and hours. And so, um, 
what a typical day looks like. I, I, I remember reading about uh, is my favorite French designer. His name's Philippe Stark. And if you call his office, apparently, uh, uh, this French voice, uh, like if you call his office in the morning, you hear this kind of French accent on the answering machine, which says, uh, here at Philippe Stark, we believe that the, the morning's for thinking and the afternoon's for doing. No, so we're thinking right now, leave a message and we'll call you back in the afternoon. And uh, just the idea that you can set the rules up however you want. And so my day typically, you know, if it's a work day, uh, which is kind of Tuesday to Friday, a work day usually looks like um, you know, morning routine uh, in the morning. Um, and then work-wise, I do my own work in the morning. And then I do uh, anything with the team I do around the middle of the day. And if I happen to be talking to a client, typically it'll happen in the afternoon. Now, that's a little bit tricky depending on time zones if we're traveling. But generally speaking, it goes me time, us time, and them in that order. Uh, and then the other thing that I do is I theme my days. So uh, Fridays, which is today for me, uh, is Rockstar Friday. So any uh, on Fridays are the only days where I'm creating content or teaching content. It happens you know, every Friday. Uh, in our world, every second Friday, your first and third Friday of the month is a, a training day for you know, teaching stuff to our Black Belt clients. And the alternative Fridays, typically I'm creating the stuff for, for, uh, you know, for an upcoming training. Uh, Thursday is a money Thursday. So any sales events or sales webinars or sales calls usually go on that day. Um, Team Tuesday. And so just like theming every day just kind of helps me know who I am that day and and not get things too jumbled. It's a little bit like um, as a kid, Ari, did you ever have like Neapolitan ice cream, you know, like a bucket with like chocolate and strawberry and vanilla? Of course. Right. So Neapolitan ice cream works because there's three flavors of ice creams. Uh, and they're side by side, but they don't mix. And if you leave it out in the sun, it all goes like mushy. And what used to happen to me is my days got all mushy. And now I have like money Thursday. So sales stuff only happens on that day. And then Rockstar Friday, you know what I mean? It's like a whole day about a thing. And it just helps me, uh, you know, not be a doofus, you know, like not kind of completely goof off and screw up my days. Yeah. The bucketing is something that we hear come up quite a bit. And I do do that to some extent as well. So I, I think that's a, a very important uh, tool that most people yeah, it's not it's, for everybody, but like it's just a it's just like a focusing tool. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a really easy thing to implement. Honestly, I mean, you just sort of pick what those themes are going to be. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good one. So uh, the the last question that I always like to ask on these interviews is, hmm. what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? And uh, you can interpret that however you like. Okay, cool. This is great. So. Uh... I'm going to give you our general principle and then two practical pieces that help me a lot. Okay. So I think the general, general principle, which the other two are an application of is, uh, is frankly to find out your natural productivity style. And so if you're, uh, if you're a big picture thinker, do that. If you're a starter, be a starter. If you're a finisher, be a finisher. But like if you've tried everybody's productivity system and it hasn't worked for you or you haven't been able to stick at it, it's probably not you. It's like, it's probably that the system is wrong for you and you shouldn't try harder and harder and harder at something that you've already, you know, uh, failed at multiple times. You should probably, you're probably just different and you should find what naturally works for you and just do more of that. So big picture, that's what I would say. Uh, in terms of like practical tools, there are two that, uh, well, I'll give you three real quick. Number one, uh, for me is going analog. I'm, uh, you know, we're recording this on computers right now, but I'm a very analog person. Uh, I'm at my best at a coffee shop with a pen and paper and uh, no computer anywhere near me, uh, no internet, just getting stuff done. Um, a friend of mine once ran a workshop and uh, like a, a small group mastermind thing and a bunch of people came in. I was one of them. And uh, 
two or three of these guys like sat down at the table and opened up their laptop and he just looked at them and said, uh, there are no breakthroughs in your laptop. And they, they closed their laptop and felt a bit sheepish, but it's true. Like all of the great ideas come, uh, you know, thinking stuff through and you could just, you know, like pen and paper is perfect. So I think number one, go analog. Uh, number two is figure out where you really add the most value. So for me, I add the most value in like in any process in our business, pretty much my job starts and finishes with come up with the idea and tell somebody, you know, create and communicate. And anything that happens after that, I'm probably, it's probably best if I leave it the hell alone so I don't, you know, screw it up. And uh, so for me, I got a year ago as an experiment, I was like, what if I wasn't allowed to like, uh, you know, I wasn't allowed to use my hands. I was only allowed to talk. So this is the who, not how piece. A lot of my work comes from getting clear about what I want on a sheet of paper with a pen and paper and then getting somebody on a Zoom call or a phone call and saying, here's what I want. Have a look at this thing. And then just like talking my way uh, out of the task. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if we can if we can get it to hands off, like one of the guys in our program asked me a question about uh, Apple's Pages, you know, word processing program, and I realized that I hadn't opened a word processor in five years. I was like, oh, dude, I've got, you know, that's a long time because pretty much the only time I use my computer is for uh, is to um, show slides. And so even the way we create the slides is I'm there with a pen and paper figuring out what I want, and then I tell Mike, my content architect, and he goes and builds it, and then I present it. You know what I mean? Uh, so then the third the third tip is um, or the, th- the third thing that's been really helpful for me is uh, 50-10 sprints. And I totally did not invent this. It's like a Pomodoro, I suppose, uh, is just to get your work done uh, in short bursts. One of uh, a great friend of mine, Colin Boyd, uh, has this idea he calls the structure of focus, which is, you know, great work happens when you've got three things. Number one, a really clear task. Number two, a distraction-free environment. And number three, a set time frame, and so you know, clear task, distraction-free environment for you might be complete silence, or it might be a cafe with background noise that you don't have to pay attention to, like it is for me. But the most important thing is a set time frame, and so like a fifty-minute timer for me works great. Fifty minutes of work, ten minutes off, fifty minutes of work. I think like a good day is like two fifty-minute blocks worth of good focus, productive work is a great day, and uh, you know about twenty hours a week feels like a, a pretty like a pretty solid work week and so um by the way if you i also uh, like you i I enjoy being in a coffee shop sort of setting with that sort of hum in the background that you can't really identify something specific have you ever heard of the website coffeeativity uh i've i just heard of it the other day i've never used it is it like an audio track which plays like starbucks in the background or something well, it, so you actually can choose kind of like from 12 different types of coffee shops from like, oh, oh, like <laughs> and it's awesome. I really oh, like great. it. I'll, I will check it out. That's awesome. I've been using um, brain.fm lately as an app on my phone. Um, but I, I think there's something about uh, background noise that you don't have to pay attention to. So uh, if you're home and your kids are running around, it drives you mental. But if it's somebody else's kids off in the corner of a coffee shop, I just like, huh. And I just get get on with my own stuff. So that I think that the world feels like it's pretty evenly split. People who like background noise and people who don't. You know, um, for me, that's been a bit of a game changer for me. It, it means my brain doesn't sit there. Um, you know, like it fills in the space so I can just focus. My uncle was this dyslexic yeah, inventor, and he used to listen point. to the radio. Sorry, sorry, dude. I used to listen to the radio in like he had like one of those radio dials where you'd change channels, and he'd put it halfway between channels, so it was like. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
it was the weirdest thing, but now I totally get it and I really appreciate him for it, you know? Well, the, the thing I think is, is a good point that you made, which is that if it's like your kids running around, it's annoying, but if it's somebody else's and you know you don't have to listen to it, then, then it's actually helpful. So yeah, totally. I appreciate that. Um, so Taki, can you, where, where would you like people to go to, to find out more about the, uh, magic of what you do? Yeah. Well, uh, two things. Can I, uh, I want to announce something and you could be the first place I've announced this. Uh, but, oh, by the way, Ari, when does this, uh, go live? In, like, is it to, okay, good. Next that should week. be fine. Yeah. Perfect. So, uh, brand new podcast, uh, goes live by the time this is up. Uh, we've been interviewing some clients, uh, who are people we've helped grow their coaching business to a million dollars a year. Uh, and it's uh, milliondollarcoach.show is where that um, podcast will be. So if you're a podcast listener and you kind of uh, happen to be a coach or a consultant, an expert of some sort, and you want to like grow, then that could be really helpful. And uh, otherwise, uh, if you like videos, then milliondollarcoach.com is the blog where there's a bunch of tools and resources and videos on how to grow your coaching business. Awesome. Well, I, I didn't even know about the podcast, so I can't wait to hear that. And be fun. I am... I'm so excited to have had you on. You're my last interview of 2017. So, um, Taki, so thank you for being on the show. Thank you for everything that you've taught me so far and everything I know that I'm going to continue to learn from you in the future. Appreciate your time. Yeah, man. It was an absolute joy. Thanks for having me on and helping me get my uh, podcast set up uh, rushed today so I could get this ready for you. Thank you for joining us today on the Less Doing Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share with your friends. For more information about Ari and his groundbreaking methods, please visit us online at lessdoing.com and on social media at Ari Mizell. We'll see you next week.